Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy on call. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em sock'em robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe they're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. What was I thinking, Ken? What was I thinking doing the show this soon after that jaunt across the globe? I mean, I know we got to get it in, but your boy's hurting for certain this morning. Well, here's the thing. I can, I can hear it in the voice. You don't yeah. look terrible. Like, you know, yeah, I've I'll seen take, you on a I'll couple. Take not terrible. I, I've seen you on a couple <laughs> of these trips, like the Brazil trip, some of the Europe trips you come back, and you look half dead. But right now, you do not. It's I'll not too it. bad, but. I hope you've slept a little bit on the plane. A little maybe? bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit here and there. Uh, Brutal, dude. Thank God for Shea Coffee and uh, <laughs> maybe a little marijuana. I'm not even sure. I'm like blacked out right now. Uh, but we're going to see if we can get through it. It is Monday, October 7, 2019 here in the States, episode 220 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And before we wax poetic on the last style bender, Israel Adesanya, and everything that was UFC 243, 
I just want to thank the fans, every last one of you, uh, who just had so many nice things to say about this show in particular over the weekend. You know, this is the best way for me and Ken Flo to connect with fans, to give back to fans. You know, this is free content. This will always be be free for you guys. You know, now that we have a YouTube channel, if you like the video, that's there for you as well. This show is never going to be behind a paywall. I can assure you of that. Uh, And when we launched this thing in 2015, you know, this show fills what we think is a very specific need inside this MMA podcast stratosphere. You're getting a preview and a recap and predictions every single week, and you're getting it essentially in a power hour, right? It's not a monster to ingest for you. Um, And I guess just when I go to a place like Australia, you know, and I hear from so many of you about the show, it feels like we are making that connection. And I feel that connection pretty deeply. And Ken Flo, if you were there you would never cancel this podcast because the love is out there for you too, my man. That is so great, dude. Listen, man, Australian fans have always been amongst, you know, the most informed, most intelligent, most hardcore fans that we have. Um, You telling me that is just further proof of that. Um, So thank you to all those fans that are listening to the show and uh, keep spreading the word. I'm telling you, keep spreading that word. What? An event it was, though, Ken Flo, 57,000 north of in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium for UFC 243. And I couldn't help but wonder, with respect to the Aussies, they're so respectful, right, and so knowledgeable as fans uh, that they strike me as a group that isn't belligerently drunk and just making volume for the sake of making volume. But it did have me wondering what 57,000 Brazilians might sound like at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, that's the other part of this, too, is that this is in the morning, you know, early afternoon. So I think maybe it's tempered, you know, because at one point my producer asked me in my ear, you know, how loud is it in there? And uh, I say, you know, I got the cans on, but it doesn't necessarily sound like 60,000. As festive as it was, it didn't, you know, blow your ears out of the place. But uh, let's get to Israel Adesanya because he obviously reached out to you before he was in the UFC. And part of your conversation, you've relayed on this podcast that he wanted to make sure he was UFC ready before he got here. Not just ready to beat Rob Wilkinson, but ready to beat Robert Whitaker. And inside of 24 months, inside of 21 months, that's what Israel Adesanya has done. I know you predicted him to win by knockout. But I even think he's exceeded some of his own expectations in becoming the face of the UFC or, or right there with the top faces of the UFC, bona fide superstar, 7-0 and in the UFC. And uh, he couldn't believe how not nervous he was for this Robert Whitaker fight. You know, he was almost like, man, I wish I, I, I was a little bit more nervous, but uh, just a masterpiece of a performance from Israel Adesanya. And Interim is now undisputed for the last style bender. Yeah, I, I sense no nervousness when he did a choreographed dance before his fight. I mean, right? How about just that? ridiculous. How about that? I, I don't. I couldn't do that. I wouldn't be that relaxed, and I huh. just don't have those moves. But anyways, uh, this is a guy who, um, yeah, just looked like he was ready to rock. Man, seemed very relaxed. On the other side of things, we will get into this, but Robert Whitaker just did not, which was very uncharacteristic of Robert Whitaker, who is cool and composed. Um, but Israel Adesanya, on the other hand, was just that, was very relaxed. Um, and I think getting into the UFC in the beginning, I think him getting his skills right, getting all the experience he needed, then being in the UFC, all that said, I still think he did have to get comfortable in the octagon. After a few fights, I think we saw the real Israel Adesanya come out. I think he realized 
who he was as a fighter. And from there, just picked off, uh, picked up all of that momentum uh, heading forward into this fight against Robert Whitaker and just truly shined. This is a striker that is doing what very few strikers can or are capable of doing in the UFC. This is a, a, a different level. He can counter. He can fight going forward. He can fight going backwards. It, and he can utilize pretty much all of those weapons no matter what. Other people are very limited in how they approach this striking game. This is a world-class striker in kickboxing that has now transferred those skills over to mixed martial arts. And that's something that very few uh, strikers have been able to do. Yeah, he was so good defensively too, right? As much as we are wowed by the strikes yeah. that do land, the ones of Whitaker that look to be on track that he was able to evade rather easily, just absolutely impressive. And when you hearken back to the early days of Israel Adesanya's career, you know, the Rob Wilkinson fight, 15 takedown attempts for Wilkinson. He stuffs 12 of them, valuable experience gain there. The Marvin Vittori fight went to a split decision. Now, I am very high on the Italian Marvin Vittori. I think he's going to be an absolute monster in that middleweight division. But imagine if that, Third judge goes for Vittori that night, you know, then none of these championship opportunities happen for Adesanya, at least this expeditiously. No doubt in my mind he was going to get there, but I think you're right. The Brad Tavares fight, the main event experience there, the Gastelum fight, embracing the darkness in that fight, just that that fight gave him so much confidence going into this fight. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see that Paolo Costa fight next for Israel Adesanya, but I want to soak this one up for a little while because... This man has truly taken the sport by storm. And Dana White oftentimes, and I said this on the ESPN Plus post show, is asked, you know, where are the super superstars coming? You know, if Connor and Ronda are gone, Dana, what are you going to do? You know, and it's like nobody was talking about Israel Adesanya, except for maybe you three or four years ago when he was outside the UFC looking in. You never know when the next superstar is going to emerge. We got Ice Cream Crone Gracie fighting this weekend. You know, I think he's got star power as yeah. well. I just think big picture people curmudgeonly people or otherwise naysayers tend to think, oh man, when's the next superstar going to come? And now a guy in less than two years on the roster has become the number one fucking superstar. In the sport. This is it. And he's the full package. This is the guy who knows how to fight um, a technical fight. Uh, he finishes in a dramatic fashion. Um, he's intelligent. He knows how to uh, speak when he, when he gets on the mic. Uh, he knows how to hype up a fight. Um, he knows how to deal with the, the mental warfare heading into a fight. I think that really affected Robert Whitaker heading into this fight as well. Um, and listen, his strategy out there was brilliant. I mean, Robert Whitaker is most dangerous when he's doing that karate style blitz. Israel Adesanya was and his team was very aware of it. And they were content to kind of stay in the pocket because Robert Whitaker, unfortunately, was not cutting an angle after uh, he was hitting that blitz. He was staying right in front of Israel Adesanya. And that's when he got caught at the end of that round. He landed a nasty hook. And you could see that Israel was kind of baiting him in a little bit, mm. waiting for that blitz, standing his ground, just leaning just out of the way Matrix style and landing hooks, knowing that Whitaker was going to be there. That was a big fault in Whitaker's game. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope that they, he goes back and sees that if they one day fight because he needs to adjust that. Israel Adesanya had a very specific plan. Whitaker's plan just didn't go very deep. So Israel Adesanya took great exception to people suggesting he was not a finisher going into this fight. It was one of the first things that he brought up in our fighter meeting there on Friday. And he's got 29 knockouts as a professional kickboxer. 
75 career wins as a kickboxer. So pretty decent knockout percentage there in a kickboxing realm. But going into this fight, he was 6-0 in the UFC with just two finishes, right? Decisions against Marvin Vittori, Brad Tavares, Anderson Silva, and Kelvin Gastelum. No decision, obviously, this weekend. Incredible, incredible result for Adesanya. And it's just going to be amazing to see how far he can take this thing, right? I mean, it is just incredible. He moves every goddamn needle you could possibly want to move. Celebrity needle. He has the respect of his fellow fighters. He's a beacon of humility, despite the fact that that statement is not going to resonate with some people because they think he's cocky. But if you know this guy one-on-one and if you saw him on our post show on ESPN Plus when he addressed a lot of this, this guy treats our staff like gold, man. You know, this guy knows the name of everybody on the UFC equipment staff. I mean, he is a sweetheart of a person. And I think sometimes in a combat sport, you know, confidence can be misconstrued a little bit as cockiness or ego. And he definitely has an ego on him. But uh, this man has been so consistent with everyone every step of the way. And I couldn't be happier for his success. Ken Flo, the other side of this in the nature of time, I do want to get to Robert Whitaker, who is so beloved. I mean, you think they like the Anakin Florian podcast in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking love them some Robert Whitaker, and so yeah. do I. Just a, 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 a great man, great father. Um, what was your thought on, on Whitaker? I mean, I, I think he's a little too fired up, you know? I mean, his chest was beat red, just beating himself up on yes. the way to the octagon. Uh, I just think he was a little bit too amped to get back in there after, you know, 18 months away. That's not who Robert Whitaker is. That, that is very uncharacteristic of Robert Whitaker to go out there fired up. What makes Robert Whitaker so special is the fact that he stays so calm and stays so composed. Look at his fights against Yoel Romero. Uh, I mean, his, his uh, the, the fact that he got injured early with his knee and then had to battle adversity in the second fight as well. I mean, his ability to stay calm is what allows him to fire properly and to execute a, a good game plan. He went out there like he was trying to fire himself up for some reason. I don't right. know if it was the matchup. I don't know if it was the trash talk. I don't know if it was the fact that he was fighting uh, in front of almost 60,000 people in Australia. It could be a combination of all those things. But all of those mental factors can be very real if you will let them, even with someone as experienced and accomplished like Robert Whitaker. I've experienced it several times, um, but I also think that tactics, uh, as far as the tactical part of that fight, um, he made some serious mistakes. I think that, um, you know, I'll relate it to myself. When I saw George St. Pierre go out there and clinch with BJ Penn and take him down repeatedly, I said, hey, listen, th this is something that maybe I could do. The problem is I'm not George St. Pierre, and I'm going against a guy with some very good defensive wrestling in BJ right. Penn. Robert Whitaker forgot that he's going against a world-class kickboxer in Israel Adesanya, and he probably looked at the Kelvin Gastelum fight and said, well, Kelvin caught him. He hit him a, a few times, maybe hurt him a few times. I can go in there. I'm a better striker than Kelvin. Right. I'm going to knock this guy out. That's not the way it works. You have to look at your strengths and your weaknesses as a fighter. And yes, can you knock him out? Yes, that's possible. Could I have taken down BJ Penn? Yes, that might have been possible. Is that the best strategy, though? Probably not. And I think for Whitaker, I was really surprised. And I apologize to everyone who listened to the Anakin Florian podcast last time because I said, 
don't be surprised if Whitaker goes out there and looks for several takedowns in that fight because I thought that was something he had to do to mix in to confuse Israel Adesanya. If Adesanya knows he's in a kickboxing fight, do you think that's going to make him feel uncomfortable? Hell no. With Kelvin Gastelum, I think Kelvin Gastelum's uh, success with his striking came because of the threat of the takedown. Israel Adesanya wasn't sure if it was going to be a takedown or a strike. But as soon as Israel knew that Whitaker was going to just stand up and strike with him, he was content to stay in the pocket and just throw bombs with those hooks. And that's exactly what happened. He caught him at the end of the first round and took him out in the second. So a lot of people were surprised that Robert Whitaker did not mix up his skills a little bit more. I know it was only an eight and a half minute fight, but Izzy was going to be ready for an early takedown. He said as much with us, you know, but a lot of people did expect at some point that Whitaker would try to get to some of those wrestling or grappling advantages. So are you saying you were surprised that when... I mean, some people said they thought he was winning the first round before that knockdown. I mean, it's not like he, yeah, right. I mean, it's not like he had no success on the feet. But would you think that, like, he was already compromised by the time the second round began, right? I don't know the extent to which he recovered after round one. Do you think if they fought, how different do you think it would be if they fought 10 times? And do you think if they do rematch down the line, do you think Whitaker is going to try to mix things up? Listen, I think it's a fight that Whitaker can win. I don't think we saw the best Whitaker or the smartest Whitaker out there. Um, I'll say this. When Israel Adesanya was leaning back, his head was past his waist as he leaned back matrix style. What's left are his legs. Right, You can't move your legs if you're leaning back like that, right? or you're going to be off balance. His legs stayed in place. Whitaker never once tried to go for his legs. He just kept trying to take Israel's head off. Again, which is an indicator that he got a little too emotional or maybe was a little too one-dimensional with his game plan. Um, It worked out way better for Israel Adesanya. So I think there's a lot of adjustments that Whitaker can make. Um, I do think this is a fight that he can win, um, but not if he approaches this in the exact same way tactically. Right. Not only is it going to have to take some mental adjustments, it's going to take some tactical adjustments for sure. Um, and and it also, I think the, the other main thing is when he was going in for that blitz, he stayed right in front of Israel Adesanya instead of exiting at an angle to get out where he'd be safe. So he's right. just right. He's, he's blitzing and staying in front of him instead of either pivoting or exiting at an angle. And when you have a, a great striker like Israel Adesanya with that kind of experience, he will make you pay. And he certainly did just that. We will have plenty more on Whitaker and Adesanya coming up in 60 seconds. First, though, is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, there is a solution that is about as uninvasive as it gets. It's BetterHelp Online Counseling, and they are there for you. And I think what really appeals to me, I've said this before, you can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online setting. A lot of convenience that comes with that. It's done on your own time, at your own pace, secure video or phone sessions. You can also chat and text with your therapist as well. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in any number of different areas, depression, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, grief, self-esteem, and more. Anything you share, of course, is 100% confidential. They've got north of 3,000 licensed therapists. They're available worldwide. And of course, if you're not happy with your counselor, not a problem. You can change any time. And by the way, you can change at no additional charge. Financial aid also available for those who qualify as well. And I think that's a big part of this for me. Truly an affordable service here. Plus, Anakin Florian Podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code AF. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash AF. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you will love. That is betterhelp.com slash AF. Better help. 
youtube.com slash AF. All right, now joining us to continue with this breakdown of UFC 243 uh, is South Florida's Ian Parker. Ian, we were just talking about this from a Whitaker standpoint. You picked him to win this fight by decision. Were you surprised at his approach uh, when things sort of weren't working out in the early going? What were your thoughts on this fight from a Whitaker uh, standpoint? You know, first off, uh, John, again, you are a savage for doing this show today, my man. Huh. You are literally you. the fucking man. Um, Kenny, Kenny's sitting there <laughs> in his PJs drinking coffee, and you're probably doing this from like. Terminal 7 in Miami right now. But uh, listen, when it comes to Robert Whitaker and the situation, I think Kenny, and Kenny, don't apologize to the fans of the show. I think you hit it spot on. I think it was pretty clear that if you're going to go into a kickboxing match, which that's what striking is in MMA with smaller gloves against someone in Adesanya, you're, you're playing, right. you're giving him that, uh, that, that higher percentage to win, regardless how good of a striker you are. And one of yes. the things that even the UFC, when they were doing the commercials and the promotion for the fight, they were talking about Whitaker's underrated wrestling and ground game. And, you know, back to what you said about Kev Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin's not the best striker, you know. He does not have a lot of range. He has to always get on the inside to use that power. The threat of his ground game is what gave that to him. And with Whitaker, I thought he was going to kind of use that Gaslam blueprint um, and be that he has better striking than Kelvin. And, unfortunately... You know, maybe it was emotion. Maybe he wanted to prove to the world that he was the better striker. But at the end of the day, you know, you got you got to you got to see the the path to victory here. And you can't tell me a guy at that level with a normal high MMA IQ went into that thinking. I have no issue standing for five rounds with Izzy, and I'm guaranteeing myself I'm going to win. You know that that yeah. knockdown at the end of round one was filthy. You know, yeah. you saw him stumbling back to the corner. So after that, you would have figured his coaches would have said, "Hey, the first two minutes." throw the jab out there, maybe a push kick, because he's not getting taken down, then shoot an outside single. You know, one of the things with uh, Adesanya is we haven't seen him on his back for an extended period of time, and I thought the best time to do that would have been right out the gate for Whitaker to kind of steal a couple of rounds and then tire him out and then use your striking. Don't, don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a guy like Adesanya. Just nine times out of ten, I don't know if he gets knocked out, but I, uh, that, that was hard to watch, man. You got to feel for Bobby Knuckles. Ken Flo, Whitaker has this warrior spirit about him. He really considers himself a warrior. He likes the taste of his own blood. He loves to break his hands in the octagon. He says that's the best place to break your hand. And he was even able to crack a smile backstage shortly after the fight. This was his first loss since 2014. And I know Joe Rogan and others have quickly lauded him for the way he handled defeat. He's as classy as it gets. I mean, I'll go buy a fucking Robert Whitaker fight kit right now. But I will say... You and DC handle championship losses a lot differently than this guy does. Not to say you don't do it with class, right? Yeah. But I think he just loves fighting to such an extent yeah. that, uh, you know, he'll just live to fight another day and, and didn't seem to take this as hard as I thought he would, given the backdrop that seemed to be a budding rivalry between, you know, the Aussie and the Kiwi. Yeah, you know, and I think the other thing is, is that as a fighter, you need to realize that only one person can win, right? Often there's not a lot of whole, not a whole lot of draws in mixed martial arts. Yeah. I also feel this is a young champion that most likely had a lot of pressure on him. I, I mean, it's different in that he's in a country in Australia where they're all supporting him. I and you, you said it best yourself of how much they love that guy. I mean, that is a lot of pressure. Everywhere he yeah. goes, he's oh. their champion. He he's is Michael Jordan over there. He is their champion, right? So that is a lot of pressure to deal with. So in some ways, I, I think it's almost a relief off of his back. I think 
over time, it's that that uh, pain is probably going to set in. I also think the guy really is a class act. He realizes that he's defeated a lot of great fighters in his day. It could have gone the other way. Um, I think he he definitely knows how vulnerable he is in mixed martial arts. And um, absolute kudos to to Robert Whitaker for the kind of class that he shows. He's a quiet guy, a true gentleman of the sport. Uh, I have I have uh, no doubts that this is a guy who will get back to the championship uh, fight. Ian, in the nature of time, I do want to spin this thing forward a little bit before we turn our attention to Tampa coming up this weekend. So Robert Whitaker obviously has competed as a welterweight in the UFC. So Israel Adesanya was the naturally bigger man, I guess, in this equation, not necessarily in terms of the physique, but in terms of the length and the height. Paulo Costa is a light heavyweight, okay? He is not going to, if he wins against Adesanya, be defending this middleweight title for years and years. He's going to move up to 205 pounds, I can assure you. So what are your thoughts, early thoughts, on Israel Adesanya taking on Paolo Costa, and what are your thoughts on, on Adesanya being so willing in his moment to acknowledge the undefeated number one contender, Paolo Costa? Um, to answer the second part first, he's a showman, man. He's understanding where he's at in the sport. He's understanding his rises now. He's understanding the marketing. I mean, have you ever seen a guy dance other than Chris Brown the way he came out before his fight? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was ready. We know what we I mean. The last time we saw an entrance like that, I think was Anderson Silva and Pride doing the Michael Jackson just beat it video. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Izzy really just took it in stride and understood, like, you know what? If he's the number one contender, let's let's start building this up now. I think he is the next superstar in the UFC. He's well spoken, he's exciting, he's a showman, and why not call it a guy that has a physique like the Hulk and Paulo Costa? Um, to answer your question in regards to his size. And all that stuff. You know, here, here's the thing. I don't know if the size, <laughs> we're going to make a joke here. I don't know if the size is going to have much of an impact when you're fighting a guy like Israel Adesanya. You know, I would be more concerned for, you know, Adesanya if he was fighting a bigger muscular guy who had capable striking with a really strong wrestling clinch game. And right. Costa just seems to throw bombs. And we saw the Romero fight, he could take him, but he's also able to be taken down, not too, you know, but not a whole lot of difficulty. Um, I just really think more than anything that, man, Adesanya is going to be way too fast for him. I think he just knows his angles way better. I think Costa still hasn't – I want to see Costa fight Jared Canyon before that fight, to be honest with you, and give Adesanya a little bit of time. But right now, Adesanya is minus 175, and I can't believe the odds are that low. I'll leave it at that. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Ian, I think that's pretty spot on, man. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is perhaps the guy who benefited most from this win from Israel Adesanya is probably Yoel Romero because he never – I don't know yep. how, how much longer he wants to fight, but he would not have got another chance at the belt if right. Whitaker won that, right? So for him – and you look at the way he matches up against Israel Adesanya, that is a very interesting fight, ladies and gentlemen. I just feel like in modern-day mixed martial arts – the natural inclination seems to be of a fighter with Adesanya's profile and pedigree, right? Like Henry Cejudo is to call the biggest shot possible. And Adesanya, admittedly not ready for John Jones, would want to put on some muscle. But he easily right. could have used that platform to try to build up the John Jones fight. And instead, he is such a tried and true martial artist. And so, to your point, Ian, aware of his place in the sport right now, that he acknowledges the number one Brazilian contender, the guy who everybody seems to believe is worthy of the title shot. And not only is Izzy willing to fight him, but he's probably going to fight him in three or four months. You know, He just so, wrote the promo. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't yeah, have that, that, more good that, things no, to that's say. What, that, and, and what he did, that was even smarter than was for people that aren't even aware of Paulo Costa, for the casual fan, they, he's going to help build Costa up, you know? People want to yep. tune in to see both guys fight. If you're able to build up the challenger as much as you are the champion, there's so much more leverage in him making that $100 million goal that he has. So kudos to Adesanya for really taking full, full advantage of that situation. What is your hard out time? I know this doesn't make for great radio. Is it 55? Is it 58? I need a hard out time right now. 59. 59. Okay. All right. So we are going to do some other 243 stuff on the back end with Ken Flo. But I want to get a quick comment from you uh, on Dan Hooker and Ally Quinta. Certainly not the fight that, that Ray Longo expected, as he texted me earlier today. He's in transit, so he's not going to join us. Uh, Dan Hooker and this city kickboxing team eugene bearman i mean man masterful execution wow. by dan hooker i know both of you guys thought raging al would would probably get the job i mean kempthel would have picked dan hooker but he was being nice let's be honest if you listen to the show uh no comment ian what did you think about uh the co-main event before we get some tampa picks out of you sir you know i just think that what, what we're learning in the situation was that that type of rangy fighter between a cowboy Cerrone and a dan hooker is just a challenge for al you know al was not able to Wide range, he wasn't able to get inside. Uh, Hooker, Hooker seemed way bigger, like even muscle wise, than I expected. Uh, and Al wasn't able to establish that ground game. I don't know if Al's really been looking at the ground game as much anymore, and it's a shame. He's got a very underrated ground game. He is a good wrestler, he is good jujitsu. Um, I just think that Hooker landed when he needed to, and he maybe just watched the tape on what Cerrone did and followed suit. You know, he wasn't his usual wild self, he was way more composed, I think, than we've ever seen Dan Hooker. He was patient. You know, and when, when he dropped Al, he didn't go crazy over it. And he even mentioned that he was happy to show off 15 minutes of his full skill set. Um, his call out over Dustin Poirier, smart. He's not going to get that fight. But right. Dan Hooker's arrived, man. Dan Hooker's definitely arrived. I'm excited to see who they give him next. Six and one at 155 pounds. And to your point, he is never afraid to call his shot. You know, even when he sat down with us in the fighter meeting, he said, I kind of want a five round fight. I want a main event so I can test myself in that scenario before potentially getting to a title shot. But Hooker was 15 in the world and, and certainly going to find himself in not that top eight or so, I would think, uh, when the new rankings come out later today. All right. As I said, more on the pay-per-view coming up on the back end, but it is now time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, Ray Longo sitting on a plane, wants to get on the air. We're making picks. So uh, I know much to the dismay of our listeners. We probably will not get to Ray Longo today. Main event challenge today brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com. Don't forget that second S. And if you're looking for a place for all of your comprehensive UFC odds, opening lines, closing lines, OddsShark.com. All right. It was 120 to 118 going into UFC 243. Ken Flo had Israel Adesanya by knockout. Ian Parker had Robert Whitaker by decision as such. Team Florian wins the week 3-1. to one. It is now 123 to 119 going into UFC Tampa. And Ian, this is... 
you know, I'm not saying it's getting out of control, right? But it's definitely not funny at this point. Like, we're four points down. Our 15, 20-point lead has dissipated. We got some work to do here coming up in Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, my strategy has been kind of taking a little bit opposite Teddy, but I just got to go back to my picks and just go with my gut. Uh, Too busy trying to hit a home run. I'm just going to hit a bunch of singles. We should be able to capitalize in the next few weeks without a doubt. All right, we'll see how many of these Tampa fights we can get to. Uh, the poor commentators, by the way, flow 14 fights on that Tampa card Oof. coming up this week. I just That's did 11 a... in Australia, which is super manageable. Right. Um, 14 will fucking kill you. You know, yeah, try learning 28 yeah. fighters. You know, <laughs> if you're trying to give them all their just due. All right, so James Vick has moved up to the welterweight division, boys. He is a plus 140 underdog this weekend in his divisional debut against Nico Price. Price comes back at minus 170. Price's last fight. Lost to Jeff Neal in July. Loss here for him would be three in his last four. Ian Vick on the other side. All of a sudden from 13-1 and one to 13-4. and four, Three straight losses against top lightweight competition. Your thoughts on Nico Price and James Vick? Yeah, I'll keep this one kind of brief. You know, I, I think this is going to be a do-or-die for James Vick. I'm actually excited to see what how he fights without having to really deplete himself. And I think what we're going to see out of James Vick is back to where he got started, what gave him that dominance in the beginning, and that was really effectively using his wrestling game. Um, I think a guy in Nico Price is extremely tough. He's a brawler, but we've obviously obviously seen outside of that crazy fight with Randy Brown that when he's on his back, that uh, that toughness, that brawling nature is no longer a factor. Um, you know, Vic will still have the range here. I just think that if he gets in a brawl, he's really at risk because that chin is very scary for me. I think he plays it safe. I think he uses that overhand right, takes the fight to the ground, and he wins riding on top. I'm going to go James Vick. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt with the jumping of the weight class. All right, so Ian Parker likes James Vick to get untracked here in the welterweight debut. Ken Flo, your thoughts on Vick and Price? Listen, I like James Vick at 170 pounds. Um, I would not have taken this fight if I was his management, though. I I don't like this fight for him. Um, I think Nico... uh, is a guy that's going to hit a little little harder. And also, if you know Nico Price, this guy doesn't give a flying shit if he oh, gets man. knocked out, submitted. He's going out to kill you. That's it. And he, that's exactly what he needs to do against James Vick straight away. I think he goes out and tries to start James Vick uh, to start this fight. I think James Vick will have a much better chin at 170 pounds and might take uh, Nico Price a little bit longer. I do think James Vick most likely is the better grappler. I agree. Um, uh, I agree with Ian there, but I just don't think he's going to be able to put Nico on his back. I think Nico gets it done with the TKO. Nico Price, minus 170, the pick to click for Ken Flo. And you're absolutely right. Like, if we have the baddest motherfucker belt with Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal, <laughs> if you're doing, like, a, a zero fucks given belt, like Nico right. Price has to <laughs> he, fight He doesn't for give that. a shit. He does he not. He cares not. You know, yeah, he yeah. is a fucking maniac. I mean, he has... <laughs> He has cleaned up a lot of things in his life and, and mentally, and he's gone back to his original coaches and such, but he is a true wild man, and uh, he's must-see TV as far as I'm concerned. All right, at strawweight, guys, Mackenzie Dern, minus 160, taking on Amanda Hebos, plus 130. This is a huge fight. The Brazilians are very excited about this fight, and rightfully so. Dern is now a mother, Ian. She is still undefeated at 7-0. Hebos, 7-1. and Coming off a big win over Emily Whitmire back in June. The American top team folks are very excited about what they have in Amanda Hebos. What do you think she has for Mackenzie Dern this weekend? 
it's so hard for me to pick Mackenzie Byrne after that video that showed up on Twitter of her throwing those boxing combinations while holding her breath. I, it reminded me of when Connor was uh, training for Mayweather and he did that arm wiggle thing that everyone was kind of going viral, yeah. making a joke about. You know what, uh, Mackenzie Byrne, I'm curious to, A, how the weight cut's going to impact her with her being out for a long time. You know, her fight against Ashley Yoder went to a split, and I think Hebos has got got some skill here. You know, there's some sauce behind her. I, I did not expect her to do what she did against Emily Whitmire um, so decisively, so dominantly. I'm going to go for the underdog here. I think Hebos is going to have the better striking. You know, Mackenzie's striking is still not there yet, and I think it's going to be enough to keep the fight standing. And if she can, although she is more than capable on the ground, I don't really get, I don't want to go on the ground with Mackenzie if I'm anyone other than Mackenzie. So I'm going to go Hebus. I'm hoping she can keep this fight standing and really uh, take the full advantage in the striking department. Ken Flo, our guy Pahumpa, pretty high on his pupil, Amanda Hebus. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Dern obviously has had some issues making the 116 pound limit, uh, and those issues predated motherhood so it's going to be an interesting way in day for sure of course our our pickers here have the right to change their selection based upon that weight cut and weigh in uh your thoughts on Mackenzie Dern taking on Amanda Hebus here in Tampa you know I was lucky enough and had the pleasure to commentate uh ADC the ADCC world championship last weekend and there was uh her dad Megaton Diaz with uh, Mackenzie's baby. Mackenzie was there as well. I have never seen Mackenzie in this kind of shape, which is really impressive. I mean, coming off giving a baby, you know, having a baby and all that stuff, I think uh, it could take a while for a, a woman to get back into shape, let alone fight shape. So that was a little concerning for me, but she looked great. She looked so healthy. She looked like she was uh, already at that limit. I- I've never seen her uh, look this close to weight um, wow. this early on. So um, she looked phenomenal. She said she was ready to go. And um, I think Mackenzie obviously is going to have a huge advantage on the ground against anyone, let alone uh, Amanda Hebus. But yeah, I-, I think she will be um, outgunned on the feet. There's no doubt about it. I think Mackenzie needs to take this fight to the ground. I think Mackenzie is um, a jiu-jitsu fighter that can take a shot. She is tough as hell. Um, I think she takes this one to the ground and uh, gets it done by submission. That's good intel there from Ken Flon, Mackenzie Dern. That's a great sign to hear all of that. You know, parenthood is a powerful thing. I'm not saying that that is what was the impetus for her getting in shape, but uh, for sure. I mean, it's not an easy thing delivering a baby. I mean, you and I have seen it. They are way tougher than us. And the fact, I I think something, uh, some kind of strength comes from that. I couldn't uh, even watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here you go. The real challenges for Mackenzie Dern are going to be when her child is two and three years old and, you know, doesn't finish her chicken nuggets and you got to push those away, you know. I mean, sometimes I find myself even like I'll be eating salmon for dinner. And by the time I get to the salmon, I've had like 32 chicken nuggets, probably 75 French fries, just my kids' leftovers. All right, co main event. Uh, we'll have Kenpo lead here. We will need the round and the method of victory. Ice cream, crone, Gracie, minus 160. Cub Swanson, plus 130. So Gracie Kenny is renowned for a lot of things, his jiu-jitsu, but also his work ethic. One of the hardest workers in the game. He's 5-0 and thus far. Made good on the UFC debut against Alex Caceres, which feels like a lifetime ago. It was February of this year. Swanson, on the other side, tries to avoid a fifth consecutive loss. Who do you like in the co-main? Uh, man, I am so excited about this fight, um, and I'm sure the whole jiu-jitsu community is excited about this fight. 
Crone uh, Gracie, uh, as you said, works extremely hard. He's been training a lot with Nate, Nick Diaz now for a few years. He's been working very hard on his striking. He is one of the premier grapplers in the world in his weight class. He's a guy that is capable of submitting anyone uh, out there. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he should try to take this fight to the ground against Cub Swanson. I'm sure right. Cub is prepared for that. I know Cub has been working a lot on uh, his side of things with his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling. Um, and, and Cub needs to get it done on the feet. It's as simple as that. Cub is going to be the more experienced uh, striker. There's no doubt about that. I think he'll have a speed advantage as well. With Crone Gracie, um, don't expect to see him tapping. Don't expect it to see him get tired and don't expect to see him give up at any point right. in this fight. You're going to have to kill this kid. Yeah, That's man. how tough Crone Gracie is. He gives no shits as well. He's an absolute warrior. He literally has that in his blood. Yeah. I expect Crone Gracie to get a third round submission against Cub Swanson. All right, Crone Gracie, round three submission. Ian, when Gracie walked into our fighter meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, it was the first time I had met him, and uh, he wanted to see the 209 tattoo, of course, right off the bat. But he just <laughs> struck me as special. You know, he just struck me as special from the moment he sat down. Everything out of his mouth was thoughtful, you know, no, no wasted efficiency in anything. Uh, and on the other side, of course, Swanson, from a four-fight winning streak to potentially a five-fight losing streak. A uh, huge spot for Swanson in the co-main event. What do you think, Ian? Who, who gets it done? Oh, uh, I mean, well, first off, you know Kenny's not going to say anything negative about anyone in the jiu-jitsu world. You know, he doesn't want to get himself <laughs> in any trouble between his gym and all the things that he I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> listen, Crow, what he showed me in his last fight, when I was more impressed. It wasn't so much the jiu-jitsu, which we know he is world-class, best of the best. You know, it's in his DNA. His striking looked really good, though. It was clean. It was technical. It wasn't one of those jiu-jitsu guys that come in here, you know, bum rush at the overhand right, get into the clinch, gets the cage, drag the guy to the ground. His jab looked good. His cross looked good. And if what's, you know, Kenny saying is true, that he doesn't give a fuck about getting hit either, then we got someone here who's more dangerous than we thought. I, you know, Cub Swanson's been a hell of a pioneer in this sport. He, you know, they don't, oh, man, they don't make him like Cub anymore. That last fight against Shane Burgos was tough to watch because you hate to see Cub become a gatekeeper. But, uh, you know, Cub's got a huge opportunity here to silence a lot of people to say he's still really there and he can still compete at this level. I just don't see him being able to stop the ground situation with Crone. So um, I know Kenny picked, what, submission round three. I'm, I'm going to go sub round two. I don't think it's going to take all that long. You know, unless Cub lands one of those wild hooks, I'm just curious. I'm curious about Gracie striking here. I just want to keep seeing that evolution as a more complete fighter because we know the jiu-jitsu is there. So, Crone Gracie, submission round two. All right, and Ian, we will get your main event selection here. You got three minutes, and then we'll get Kemflos on the other side. I know you got to pick up your kid, and we were a little late getting to you. Yoani Jacek minus 400. I will admit to being a little bit surprised that the price was this inflated when I looked for the first time this morning. Michelle Waterson is plus 320. The Karate Hottie with a lot of momentum here, Ian, but obviously uh, from a Vegas standpoint, she would appear to be up against it. Who wins the main event in Tampa this weekend, and how do they get it done? Um, You know... Oh, man, Michelle, Michelle has, does have a ground game. She's got a good jiu-jitsu game. I just think that Joanna has seen better. It's so hard to bet against someone like Joanna, especially in the stand-up game. Man, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone gets finished in this fight. I do think this will be a decision. I'm going to go Johanna uh, by decision. You know, I just think that she's had enough time to really get all the negative out of her head, clear the cobwebs. 
She's working her ass off down here at American Top Team. Those that I've spoken to said she looks better than she ever has. Um, you know, I, I would love to see the karate hottie pull off the win, you know, become the mom champ. She wants to at least get an opportunity to fight for. Um, I just think that she's running into a really stylistically odd matchup for her. It's hard to, it's hard to really picture a whole lot of people outstriking Ilana. I just think that her aggression, oh man, her speed is going to be trouble for her. Michelle, so I'm going to go Joanna by decision. Ian Parker, courtesy of his sources here in South Florida, goes Joanna Jacek by decision. All right, my man. Hey, sorry we didn't get to you sooner. I didn't realize you were on the line, but great stuff. We appreciate the extended time. And uh, just got to tell your wife, dude, on Mondays from now on, she's got to pick up the kid because pickup time is right in the middle of our, you know, it's like my kids are getting out of school right now in three minutes, and you know who's picking them up? Anakin Florian podcast over everything, dude. You know? I know, but both you guys have such cooler jobs than me, so, you know, it's, uh, I'm not in a place like, hey, go pick him up while I go do, you know, the podcast. John's like, hey, you go pick him up because I'm in Melbourne calling the fights. Kenny goes, hey, to my wife, you go pick up the kid because I'm fucking Ken Florian, I'm, uh, fucking the man. So, uh, yeah, so, I'm not there yet, guys, but yeah, you know what, next week, you're on, I'll have her pick him up, and, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Good talk. Way to, way to blow up my spot right there. I appreciate it. Welcome back. Hey, how, how many <laughs> over over under two and a half Aussies who came up to me and said they love Ian Parker? Oh, hundred percent under. It was under. It was only one, but hey, I mean, the fact that you have traction in Melbourne, Australia, I think would would make you feel better about the future in terms of having to pick up. You know what? I'm going to show you screenshots. I have two guys that wrote to me on Instagram. They like me from Australia, so we'll negate that. We'll say one person (laughs) in in the whole country of Australia likes me. That's great. All right, buddy. Have a good day. We'll talk to you next Monday. (laughs) Later, guys. (laughs) See you. And I am lying, by the way, Ken Flo. Not a single Australian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and said they like Ian Parker. Um, oh, I digress. All right, You're so hilarious. Ioana Jacek, if she loses to Michelle Watterson this weekend, that will be four losses in her last five. Of course, the last fight was against Valentina Shevchenko, and that was a long time ago. That was December of 2018. Now, we talk about Mackenzie Dern, who seemingly has gotten down her weight. I don't want to say she has mastered the cut, but Ioana Jacek has had a very difficult time, at times, making 115 pounds. The cut against Tisha Torres was outstanding and was a really good sign. And all indications, to Ian Parker's point, are that Joanna is in tremendous shape and that she very much has now mastered this weight cut. She, of course, will have the one-pound allowance this weekend. The Karate Hottie has won three consecutive fights all by decision. Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig, Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Watterson will probably get a title shot if she wins. I think Joanna certainly is going to get Zhang Wei Li if she gets the job done this weekend. And I say that with all due respect to Tatiana Suarez, who I think is on the mend. Uh, your thoughts on what is obviously a big 115-pound main event coming up Saturday in Tampa, Florida. For Joanna Young-Jacek, what's more motivating in that weight class than to not have Rose Namunas as the champion right, right now? She has a huge opportunity here to go in and fight for the belt if she gets by Michelle Watterson. The problem is Michelle Watterson is fighting uh, in her prime right now. She knows how to win rounds. She's fighting way more intelligently intelligently than she was before mixing up her strikes really well keeping the proper range for the most part um Joanna though I I think senses that this is her kind of last chance to get back in there and become a champion right now um I think she's the superior striker I think she has way more experience um I don't know if she should be as 
big as a favorite as she is right now, but I do have her winning. I think she's going to chip away at Michelle Waterson and break her down round after round, eventually eventually getting the TKO in round four. All right, Yanni and Jacek by TKO in round four is the pick for Ken Flo. And I th- think you brought up a lot of good points about Michelle Waterson. You know, they will have a very specific game plan, and she will stick to it. I don't know if she'll be able to execute it in its totality, but uh, big opportunity, obviously, for the Karate Hottie, a plus 320 underdog coming up this weekend. All right, some closing thoughts on UFC 243. Those 50 minutes that Robert Whitaker spent in the octagon with Yoel Romero, I don't really care how long ago they were. I do think there is a price to pay. And similarly for Israel Adesanya, I think there's a price to pay if you have too many fights like he had with Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 236. I think it's great for Adesanya moving forward that Mm -hmm. he didn't have to embrace the darkness in what was a tough matchup against Robert Whitaker. Um, But how do you quantify those Romero miles if you're Robert Whitaker, right? Because the chin, um, you know, seemed to go pretty early on this night. And I I don't want to take any credit away from Israel Adesanya, but is there any angle there that, you know, there's a price to pay for for Robert Whitaker for those, for a near hour spent in the octagon with, uh, with the steel man that is Yoel Romero? It's a brilliant point. Listen, uh, you are one punch away from uh, something potentially changing your career. You're talking about almost an hour of fighting a dude like Yoko Romero. Um, that will certainly uh, take its toll on you. Um, I think it wasn't one of those insane fights where uh, Whitaker was almost knocked out several times that we've seen before. But man, there's no doubt about it. Having a war like that uh, can take its toll on you. I still think that Whitaker is young enough where he can bounce back and and, and be just fine. But uh, yeah, just the preparation for the oh yeah fights as well. I yeah, mean, the camps are absolutely. brutal. Uh, Twenty five minutes of fighting a man like Romero twice is ridiculous. Yeah, um, it, it's a very interesting point, man. Bohashinia Paulo Costa. I spent a lot of time with him this weekend, and I'm a huge fan. You know, he really handled the Q&A well. He had all these Aussies sort of asking him about supplements and PEDs, and he just brushed it all off of his shoulders. I mean, it's funny, yeah. as as respectful as these fans are as a group, when it came time for the Q&A, you know, these guys were all cracking a mic, you know, 100 yards away, you know, puffing their chests out, talking shit at Paulo Costa. <laughs> But he is so emotionally invested in this matchup with Israel Adesanya. Like, he thought Whitaker was going to win, but he was praying that Adesanya would win because, you know, he wants to kill him. He wants to break his face. And I just don't know how Costa keeps the emotions out of this fight. I really don't, you know, and it might work to his advantage. But I just think he's so emotionally invested. What are your thoughts on on that matchup before we uh, before we move on? I tell you what, that is going to be an exciting fight. Uh, Bohashinia, you know, he's more than just a, a guy who goes out to try to knock you out. He is game as well. There's a lot of guys oh, yeah. that we see that want to knock you out, but when it, when the going gets tough, they they kind of turn from a man into a mouse. Bohashinia is not that dude. Yeah. This guy is ready to die in the octagon. Uh, and I think he's going to bring the fight to Israel Adesanya. Um, I, I think he's a guy who's going to keep a high-pressure, uh, high-paced fight on him, which is going to make it exciting while it lasts. Israel Adesanya will have to be the slicker, rangier fighter in that one. Um, and, uh, you know, I do think Israel is the slicker guy. I 
just don't think it's going to be an easy fight for him necessarily. Um, I, I do think that uh, Israel is going to be the favorite. I would pick him as of right now. Right. But, man, you cannot count out someone like Bohashinia who will continue to throw down until he stops breathing. All right, and before we highlight a few other performances from UFC 243, I want to shout out the Mexican-American Kelvin Gastelum because that loss to Israel Adesanya is already dating very well. <laughs> and it just shows you how goddamn tough and, and good Kelvin Gastelum is because to your point about Robert Whitaker, he does think he's the much better striker than Gastelum and the faster guy, and he felt like he would have success the way Gastelum had success. And if Kelvin gets by Darren Till, I know a lot of people want to see Kelvin Gastelum fight Robert Whitaker because that matchup never happened for the undisputed title. I'd love to see Kelvin Gastelum, if he beats Darren Till, get a shot at this undisputed yeah. title because I think he's a man who's destined to be a champion and uh, – you know, again, I just I have a lot of respect for his performance, especially after what I saw this weekend. I just want to throw that out there. Um, no doubt. You know, Longo texted me uh, that Hooker Iaquinta fight. I don't know what his exact words were here. Yeah, John didn't see it going down like that at all. People were amazing, though. Um, the calf kicks from Hooker certainly changed things up for Iaquinta. Right, he had to fight Southpaw for much of the fight. And Iaquinta, he's sick of being known as the tough guy, right? He wants to be known as the skilled guy. And, and his toughness, again, was on full display this weekend, but uh, really just couldn't get anything done after Hooker took control there early on. He's already solidified himself as the tough guy. And I agree, if he wants to move forward and start his climb back uh, to the top, he's going to have to get more technical and more aware when he fights. I think that... Um, the two things that, that really stand out to me that, that became a, a part of why he didn't win this fight, footwork and head movement. Um, he didn't have great footwork, basically had no head movement. He was getting hit repeatedly, um, was always at the uh, improper range, was allowing Hooker to dictate uh, what was happening out there. Yeah. Um, you know, Certainly the, those calf kicks did not help his movement out there, uh, but Iaquinta just didn't look so prepared, didn't seem sharp, didn't seem like he had that pep in his step out there. I, I don't know what, what that's from. I don't know, maybe a bad weight cut or whatever it was. These things happen in fights. Sometimes, you know, you feel good in camp, uh, feel terrible in the fight. Sometimes you feel terrible in the camp, great in the fight. Sometimes it's yeah. terrible in the camp and terrible in the fight. You, you never know how it's going to go down some nights. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best night for Iaquinta. Uh, he's another uh, guy who I, I really enjoy watching. Uh, and, you know, he'll, he'll have to go back to the drawing board here and, uh, you know, uh, add to those skills that he has. And I do think Hooker's length is going to be a real problem for a lot of these lightweights. I really do. I mean, the Barboza is. fight is the outlier right now in terms of his body of Looks work. Looks huge. 55 pounds. But, yeah, he's massive. And I do think when I'm analyzing fights involving John Jones and Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker, you got to start with the length, right? As skilled as these three individuals are, uh, it is a massive advantage when you got half a foot of reach and when you can use it as effectively as – as these guys are doing it, shout out to Eugene Bear City Kickboxing. What a huge night. Brad Riddell getting by Jamie Malarkey in the fight of the night. Huge fight for him. Last thing I want to say before I let you go, and I'm not sure if you saw the pay-per-view opener between the Cape Verde and Fall River, Massachusetts product, Jorgen DeCastro, <laughs> knocking out Justin Taffa. Yes. But a little background on Jorgen DeCastro, okay? He works security right now for the Fall River Public Schools, okay? One of the guys in his corner, Brian Raposo, is a principal at the school, right? The principal's in his corner, you know? Nice school system there in wow. Massachusetts. They let the fucking principal go to Australia for a couple weeks. Excuse me. But 
this is a life-changing win. $50,000 for Jorgen DeCastro, who is now 6-0, and and Justin Taffa obviously came in with a lot of hype behind him, but this is what it's all about for me. You know, a guy whose family gets behind him to chase this career path that is just a crazy career, and all of a sudden you come home, you know, you put on your Fall River security jacket, you got an extra 75 or 80 grand in the bank, and you've effectively changed your life forever. You know, he was obviously brought to tears after the fact. And this is the best part of this job for me is when guys go out there when not a lot is expected of them candidly, and they change their lives forever with, with one shot. I love it. And man, what a shot. That shot Dude. was brutal. Just a short right hand on the inside. Um, as his opponent was coming, uh, you know, Adam, when he was really close to the fence there, uh, just starched him, man. Put him out cold. Uh, uh, what a fight, man. And, and you could see he, he was dealing with some serious adversity out there. He was eating some big shots as well. Yeah. Uh, really got himself composed, was clinching at the right times to kind of slow down the fight. Uh, and man, he saw him coming hard, landed that right hand. And uh, that was that. Uh, real happy to see DeCastro win that fight. First Cape Verdean to win a fight in the UFC, first Very to compete cool. and then ultimately win. It's off the coast of Africa, about 546,000 people. Huge Cape Verdean population in Brockton, Massachusetts, as you know. Yes. And uh, Jorgen DeCastro is on the map. Got to shout out the Massachusetts guys here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to everyone again for all that support uh, in Melbourne. If you prefer now to see the show instead of just the audio, you can now watch the show every week live on our new YouTube channel. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. It's Anik and Florian Podcast at your convenience. Next week, we will catch up with Ray Longo, get his thoughts on the fight between Ally Quinton and Dan Booker, and also look ahead to UFC Boston, of course, which is Friday, October 18th, and another main event with one of Longo's guys, Squadman, taking on Dominic. Rayets. Thanks to TJ DeSantis for putting it all together with African Ken John Anik. Have a great week, y'all. Talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, go The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.